So I went to the movies the other day. Mm-hmm. I invited you, but you were busy. Yeah. I think I invited you literally on my way to the theater. <laughs> I think I gave you like five minutes uh-huh. to decide. And uh, I ended up going alone, which is fine. Right. I I actually enjoy going to the movies alone. Mm-hmm. And um, I get to the theater and it's like the movie, the trailers have just started by the time I'm buying my ticket. Mm-hmm. So I buy my ticket, I go into the theater and... You know, when you walk into a theater and they have that kind of walkway that divides the two sections, you can either sit on the right or or left, depending on how you come in. And it's like that stadium seating. Mm -hmm. Or you can sit closer to the screen, which is kind of all one level. Right. And I just decide, you know, it's dark. I'm not going to try and find a seat. I'm just going to go where nobody sits. Right. Like towards the screen. Was it full? Were no, no, and I didn't. I didn't really look. I mean, this was on a weekday, I believe, mm-hmm. or maybe late weekend. It must have been a late weekend, and um, and so I go and I just grab a seat. And it's like the you know the first row that you get to on that bottom level mm-hmm. section, and I sit down, and all of a sudden I hear someone behind me. Sounds like they're trying to get my someone's attention. And you know how sometimes you, you just know when you hear a noise, you're like, yeah. that noise is directed at me. Yeah. I don't even need to turn around and look. Right. And finally, I just you know kind of turn around and I look. And there's this um, younger guy, 20s maybe, sitting with kind of three other people. And they're in like the first row. Mm-hmm. Of the stadium seating. All guys? No. Uh, guy, Two guys, two girls. Okay. So it was an even number of people. Even number of people. Mm. And he goes, hey, do you want to sit with us? And I, I just look at him. I'm like, no, thanks. I'm good. Yeah. And I'm waiting for them to like start snickering. Like it was a joke. Like a joke or like a dare or something. And he just goes, okay, man. And like, they're not laughing. I turn back around in my seat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the next trailer starts. It was like in between trailers. Next trailer starts and the rest of the movie. Yeah. Like they don't talk to me at all. No one comes and sits with me. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like a dare. Right. Like you think that they yeah. one up themselves. Right. Then. Yeah. Um. And that was like the first time I've been to the theater in forever. Mm-hmm. And it was the weirdest. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah, I've I've gotten into a fist fight outside of a theater. <laughs> this is more weird than that. Right. But but it made me re- really quick. It made me think of and I was thinking about this. And this is like you know childhood, like a block childhood memory. Mm-hmm. I remember I really wanted to go see The Sandlot when it first came out, mm-hmm. and I kept asking my dad to go with me. And I just remember him being busy and like kind of frustrated. And finally he was like, fine. And we get in the car and we go to the theater and he dropped me off. He was like, call (laughs) me when it's over. Uh The whole time I thought he was going to go with me. Yeah. And I'd like never been to a theater alone before. Mm -hmm. And I was like terrified, but I was like, "Uh, I really, yeah, I'm here. I might as well like see this movie. So I buy my ticket. I go sit down. 
And this old man came and sat next to me. Oh man. And, and it, it wasn't full either. Right? It was not a full theater. Mm-hmm. It was. And I just remember him having white hair. Mm-hmm. I kind of remember a trench coat, but that that's probably added right, afterwards. Yeah. But he just sat down next to me. He didn't say hi. Uh-huh. He sat next to me the entire movie. Was it like a middle seat? Was it like nope. a really good seat? Hmm. No, it was like, it, you know, I was a scared kid. Mm-hmm. So I got to the end of a of an aisle. And I right. sat one in. I didn't want to sit right on the edge. And I figured that's enough. He sat on the end hmm. right next to me. What a creep. What a creep. Yeah. And he didn't do it. So, I mean, is he a creep? Because he didn't say or do anything to me the whole time. Yeah. I Yes, that's creepy. If you're going to sit right next to anybody when it's not full, if you're going to sit right next to somebody that you don't know in any situation ever, that has to be the only seat available. Right? That has to be your only option is to sit next to somebody you don't know. Yeah, I've I've gone to the movies a few times like if there's a holiday mm-hmm. or you know, even if I have like a scheduled day off or you know, if I have to stay home and watch NDB at school. Yeah. You know, I might go see a movie in the middle of the day, and I've noticed more and more that there is a, I don't, I don't want to assume, but there seem to be people who are there in the theater who just have no other place to be. Right. <laughs> and I will watch them walk in and out of the theater, uh-huh. and after I leave, they don't really head towards the exit. Uh-huh. So maybe this is just one of those guys Who's like, he's just wants to sleep. He's a loiterer. He's a loiterer, yeah. and he just walks into wherever theater he's sat in the last. He, he maybe he didn't even know I was there. Yeah, and just slept. That's what I was gonna say. Thing. Yeah, I used to love going to the movies by myself when I lived in Arizona. Even when you were a kid, I never okay. went by myself as a kid. The only time I've ever been to the movies by myself was when I lived in Arizona. It's great, isn't it? I loved it. It's um, great. Did you have a theater close to you, or would you have yeah. to try? Okay, no, it's pretty close. See, when you have a close theater, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. And I remember, I remember once, I don't know how accurate this is, but I feel like it's true. When I was a kid, someone asked me to sit next to them in a movie theater, like a, like a couple girls or something. I was like, I'm in like middle school, right? And Mm -hmm. I'm at the movie theater Mm -hmm. and they're like, you know, do you want to sit next to us? And I had to be like, I'm here with my dad. (laughs) 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 But that makes sense. Is that what you said to them? Yeah, of course. I was there with my, I was there with my dad. What else am I supposed to say? Um, but that makes more sense than just a random group of like 20 somethings asking you to sit with them. Yeah. It's one of those, like, it's like too nice to believe it. Well, it kind of made me think of 21 jump street. Have you seen that? Mm -mm. Where they, you know, the, the premise is these older guys go back to high school mm-hmm. and, you know, they kind of take on their high school personas. So the jock is going in like immediately like kind of making fun of people. Mm-hmm. But now that we're in like the enlightened age of no bullying, it's like everyone at high school like hates him for uh-huh. being like A the bully. cool right. bully jock. And they like the, the nerd, the, the nerdy guy. Right. And I feel like, maybe those kids were of that age and they, they were just raised to be like, include the one who's not included, right. you know, and like yeah. reach out and be nice and don't get, bully. Right. Get stuff. this guy in here, get this guy in here. Yeah. Get him in, you know, and, and, and I come from the era of don't talk to anybody you don't know. Right. Exactly. And, and even, even more so 
like you said, and I would have thought the exact same thing. If they're talking to you and you don't know them, they're probably doing it because like you're not in on some joke. Like right. you're the butt of some inside joke that they have. That's what I would have thought too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they had a great laugh after everything was done. <laughs> like when they're in their car, they restrained they themselves for two hours, two and a half hours. <laughs> and then they just had the biggest laugh of their lives. Yeah. But they they kept poker faces through mm. it all. They seemed genuine and right. I don't know what they wanted to do. Like, and they didn't even talk. Like, they weren't disruptive, so mm-hmm. they didn't want me to like play cranium with them while the movie was going <laughs> right. on. Like, they didn't need a fifth player yeah. for something. I don't know. That's interesting. All right. Well, this is everything is interesting. Uh, our As pod- I think we just proved. Right, right, right. <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. It doesn't even need to be said at this point. Uh, my name is Justin Blizzard. I'm here with Keith Krepko. And uh, I think, first of all, we're back. <laughs> After about two months away, uh, we're going to start recording again. We have a bit of change of format. So I think what we're going to try and do is instead of waiting for something so significant to come along that we can both sort of make time to watch it or do whatever and then talk about it, what we're going to do is we're going to start recording every week. We'll be recording every Monday night. Hopefully the show will be out by Tuesday or Wednesday. And our main segment is going to consist of what we've been watching and... Uh, reading, listening to, playing uh, during the week. And then when something you know significant does come out that we both really want to read or watch and talk about, we can still just make that one of our weekly episodes. So today we are doing exactly that. We're going to be talking about what we've been watching, what we've been reading, what we've been playing, uh, and what we've been listening to. Uh, to. I'm not really sure what that's going to be. I know what mine are, but I don't know what yours are. Mm, I don't know yours. Yeah, so uh, a bit of surprise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but other than that, we're going we're gonna to follow the same format. We're going to have the main segment, and then we'll take a break, and we'll talk about uh, last show's recommendation, which was uh, the Lawnmower Man short story which I read uh, two months ago, <laughs> so it's been a while. And, uh, and then I'll recommend something for Keith. But first, we're going to take a break, and then we will get into what we've been uh, watching. So we're going to talk about what we've been watching and it's been a while, so it can kind of be anything. But what I wanted to talk about is the HBO show, the jinx. And I know, so you've seen all of them except for the last episode, right? I think I'm back to, Oh, back to, okay. 
So you've seen, so there's been five episodes so far. So you've seen the first three. Three. And there's six total. Mm-hmm. So I've seen the first five. And we've talked about it a little bit. And I, I, I wanted to talk about two things mainly. First of all, there seems to be a little bit of backlash on the uh, recreations. Or the, is that what they're called? What are they called? Reenactments. Reenactments, yeah. Right. On the reenactments and kind of, I guess, the stylistic approach that Andrew Jarecki's taking. Yeah. Which I know we talked about a little bit, and I really like that so, aspect of the so documentary. Do I. So like, do I. Like, it's made really well, and it looks... And I don't, I don't feel like that, like, trivializes what's happening at all. Like, I never... I, I've never felt throughout this series that, like, what he's doing is... Uh, downplaying the crimes that have been committed. It just seems more like someone who's very uh, kind of invested in the story and is trying to tell it the best way possible, maybe. But uh, what did you... So you feel the same way. Like, it's... You don't think it's trivializing it at all. Uh, One of my favorite moments of the series so far was a shot where uh, Andrew Jarecki is reenacting his mother's jump or fall yeah. from the roof. And it's it stands out in my mind still. And I watched it, you know, over a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um she's falling and her foot like brushes the branch of a tree. Yeah. And she's like falling in slow motion. Mm-hmm. So you just have this kind of like still image of a body falling and then coming in contact with like a tree limb. And I don't know why that stood out to me so much, but I thought it was like amazingly composed. And, you know, anytime you are composing a shot like that, I don't know if maybe the brush was accidental. It doesn't, you have to set that up, you mm-hmm. know? And so for them to kind of pull off something that looked as good as that did and came to represent what happened, I, I don't see why I would look at that and be like, oh, it's just distasteful. Like, yeah. I don't need to see her falling. Like, it's done in a heightened way that I think he's not showing you crime scene photos, you know, which other documentaries do. Isn't that right. as kind of manipulative mm-hmm. as if you were to stage them? Yeah. And people also, I heard somebody say they are really graphic. Are they really good? Do they get I more graphic so. after? I remember him talking about, you know, someone, his his first wife or something being shot maybe mm-hmm. and then they cut to the scene of a woman kind right. of falling mm-hmm. i didn't see blood pouring like it just shows a woman falling right yeah there's there's blood in that scene afterwards but it's it's the same thing with like the suicide scene it's a very slow pan to the right i think and you see like blood on the floor and i think that's a good point like you talk about like someone's talking about that being graphic like you talk about like the West Memphis documentaries. There's mm-hmm. there's pictures of dead, mutilated children in those documentaries. Like, yeah. like that is way worse to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I want to talk about was Andrew Jarecki's involvement in the documentary. Now he made Capturing the Freemans, which is great, and then he made All Good Things, which I didn't see. Did you watch that? I've I meant to so many times yeah. and every time I'm about to push play on Netflix I'm like oh it got pretty bad reviews mm-hmm. and it was just it it's a it's a movie a narrative movie loosely based on Robert Durst which is what the jinx is about 
And so there seems to be this sort of personal connection to the story, which has then led him to uh, be somewhat of a prominent figure in the documentary series itself, which seems really weird to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that like it's cutting back to him during the interviews with Durst. Uh I think I remember that in the very beginning of the second episode, like the second shot of the second, like the first shot is Robert Durst. And then the very second shot is Andrew Jarecki. And it just got <laughs> kind of gave me this feeling like, like who do you, who are you? Like, who do you think you are? You know what I mean? Like it just seems weird that the director is so visible in the series. Um, with that being said, and then going into this newest one, the fifth episode, the little um, thumbnail for it on the HBO Go app is literally a picture of Durst and Jarecki. Like, he's in the image itself. But with that being said, the way that episode five ends, I now understand his involvement in it. And I Mm -hmm. understand... I still feel a little weird about it, but mm-hmm. I do understand why he has been so, uh, why he's been so involved on the actual camera side of it. I've so, heard some chatter about the end of episode five. Right. Having not seen it, can I give my um, guess of what sure. happens? Sure. Oh, sure. Jarecki and Durst commit a murder together, <laughs> which is why Jarecki has been featured so yeah, heavily because he's now going to take the mantle. Yeah. Um, do you think Durst at this? So you've watched the first three episodes. Do you mm-hmm. think Durst is innocent or guilty or are guilty. you on the guilty? Guilty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's why I think my joke holds up because I feel like Jarecki could commit the murder with Durst on film right. and somehow they'd still get away with it because yeah, that's how, that's how sure I feel about Durst being a murderer. Right. But here's the thing. I also read an interview on Vox today with Andrew Jarecki and the title of the interview was like, here is why Andrew Jarecki wants you to rethink an alleged murder. I saw that headline. I did not read. I read the interview and, and that's the basic premise of the headline is correct. But at the same time, it's like, I feel like the public is already pretty convinced that Robert Durst has killed these people. And I get the feeling from the documentary that Andrew Jarecki is pretty convinced that Robert Durst killed these people. So it's like, What's there what does rethink? he want you to rethink? Yeah. And and with that being said, that's something that he is very good at, like, especially with with capturing the Freedmans. Mm-hmm. And now with this, like he's really good at presenting both sides of the story and making them seem very credible. I don't know what he does that other, you know, crime documentaries don't do, but you know. You, the the big takeaway from capturing the Freedmans is the movie ends, the documentary ends, and over the course of two and a half hours or whatever, you flip flop sides on who's guilty and who's not, and at the end you're just left really not knowing, and feeling like you have a strong case for either side, and I don't think the jinx is going to end that way. 
Mm-hmm. But up until I would say this fifth episode, it was following that path. Mm-hmm. Like I was at some point, I, I wasn't convinced that the mob had killed his friend, but it made sense. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I didn't think it was totally outlandish. So I don't know. Like, like I don't want to give away, you know, too much. But like I said, with the end of the fifth episode, that has been my biggest sticking point for the series is his involvement. Why is he so visual why is he so visual why is he on the screen so much but i think with the way the fifth episode has gone and the way the sixth episode is going to have to go it makes sense to me now i this is off topic a little bit but i kind of want to maybe lay groundwork too for for what we want to do with with these discussions i have reached a point where the amount of content you can find about people writing or talking about whatever it is, films, you know, stories that dance around spoilers mm-hmm. is like at peak level. Yeah. And it's to the point where I am not interested in those conversations. Like I'm not interested in the gymnastics you have to do. Like you're, I feel like you're spending all intellectual thought a lot of times in, in these people who write these articles on not giving away spoilers while still talking about the entire thing yeah that i think you somehow lose the ability to like just say it just yeah be in sight you know stop dancing around everything so when we when we talk to if i'm not caught up on you know uh the jinx that's my fault like yeah spoil it like i don't i don't have any of those feelings like if you feel like to make a point you know you need to talk about the end of the fifth episode yeah i want you to feel free to do that because you know i'd rather have a full conversation than to have one that's like, uh, I really want to say, you know, this, but yeah. I can't because you're not caught up or somebody who's listening isn't caught right. up. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll talk about it more next week when the show actually ends. Okay. But, um, I don't think, I, I think I've said when I need to say, I, I spoiling it at this point, it would just be spoiling it. I don't yeah. think it's, um, and the other thing I watched was, <laughs> Today at work, I watched two episodes of the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Elise and I watched one episode. Oh, did you really? Last night. You watched the first episode. Mm-hmm. What did you think? Um, you know, I really like certain. I really like her. I really like her. Yeah. the The roommate is trying just a little too hard with yeah. not enough payoff, and uh-huh. I've seen a lot of those characters in a lot of shows that work amazing mm-hmm. and to see him really, really pushing really that hard. I, I kind of didn't have a great reaction to that, but I love the premise too. Mm-hmm. I think the premise is really great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I watched the two episodes and I was just kind of like afterwards, I was just kind of like, why did I just do that? Why did I just watch those two episodes? But it wasn't bad. There are a couple jokes that I liked. Um, but I, I guess I should say it's the it's the Tina Fey show mm-hmm. on Netflix. I will say this. I don't know if anyone else has noticed this or is really bothered by this, but the Netflix logo before their shows, the little Netflix pop up mm-hmm. finally has a sound to it. Did you oh, notice that? No. It was always silent and that always bothered me. And it's like it a finally it's like a up. Netflix produ- production company logo, right? It would be mm-hmm. like a production company logo just being on screen with no sound whatsoever. It makes no sound 
And I just always found that so weird. You want like the more you I know, just want kind some of kind of noise chimes. because it makes you think like not it's not running right or something. It makes me think like it, like literally every single time I see that stupid Netflix thing come up and there's no <laughs> sound, it makes me think is my stream messed up or is like is this had did the sound not load or something? That's funny. And now when it had the sound on the Kimmy Schmidt show, my first thought was has the sound always been there and it just doesn't work on the other shows? Yeah, it's so confusing. It's like, how can you do that? You want a statement from Netflix. I just want a sound. I want like <laughs> well, some now sort it seems of, you have it. It just doesn't make any sense. Like it's not like you're not like running a logo for a silent movie, right? <laughs> Every other aspect of this production has sound. Right. Why does your logo not it just it just it what, always what confused if, me. What if Netflix, when you subscribed, sent you sheet music to be played by an organist <laughs> for when their logo comes up? Mm-hmm. It's just like three notes. Like in an ideal world, this is what you play, but right. we really do believe in the silent film <laughs> yeah. style. I do want to say some things that I did like mm-hmm. was, number one, I loved that the news report was auto-remixed yeah. immediately. <clears throat> like That's the kind of satire that I really like from Tina Fey is I feel like that could happen in the future. Like in the future, we could be watching a local news story where they have pre like remixed their own story. They're like, and now here's a local story with a little bit of flair. And you know, they're like, they're already going for the viral video. Yeah. And you can, well, and you can tell news stations are doing that anyways, already going for viral videos, but to me that f- it f- that feels a little bit more like a late joke than it does like a commentary on local news but I, that's nitpicking what if i told you that that remixed new song is actually the title sequence yeah yeah i i then saw on twitter people are like on repeat and it's like no not on yeah. repeat and um <clears throat> but i thought it was a really funny idea and and maybe even in the show, they weren't saying that the there was like that news broadcast yeah. was re- remixing it. But I like that idea. Right. Like, yeah, that's I, I, I like that. I could watch it and think like, oh, if she did intend that, that's really funny. That's really smart. Yeah. And I could see that happening. Um, and then one other thing that I wanted to say about that that stood out to me, which uh, I need to watch some more for it to come back. Maybe maybe we can come <laughs> back on okay. Kimmy Schmidt. All right. So what have you been watching? Uh, so what I've been watching really quickly, I guess, two two things I want to talk about. Um, number one, I guess I'll try and tie it into what you were saying. Go back to the sound, the the, the sound of the Netflix logo. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I want to talk about is on cinema at the cinema right. on adultswim.com right. with Tim Heidecker and Greg Turkington. Mm-hmm. And number one, talk about sound effects. Yeah. On cinema has the best sound effects of any show right. currently running. Like, yeah. I'll put up against anything. The noise of their popcorn bags <laughs> yeah. when they are posted. Yeah. And on the last one, I don't know if you're all caught up, um, but Tim gave something 10 bags of popcorn. Yes. And whenever yeah. I hear anything over five, <laughs> and I've seen five seasons of this uh-huh. show, I get so giddy because I'm going to get to hear that dumb popping <laughs> <Yeah>. sound <laughs> yeah. 10 times. Yeah. And they're subtle too. There's it's they're so pretty subtle. Yeah. Subtle. It's just like, 
And what's so funny, I guess, to me too, is the first time I watched it was like on my phone with headphones in. So like that sound was like there. Right. So I got to hear it and it just hit me from the first bag of popcorn to the last. Yeah. I feel like it's my de-stressor. If I could just get that uh-huh. <laughs> on like a one minute loop and play on right. iTunes, like that would calm me down. Yeah. Um, but I read a interview with Tim Heidecker today on the AV club mm-hmm. where he was out of character talking about the show. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to hear him talk because I feel like whether it's his show or like this show, Whenever he comments on his comedy, which he always says he doesn't like to do, his points are very obvious, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And you can tell, like, some of this is him, like, just getting a monkey off his back by just parroting critics. Mm -hmm. And I think it's it's good for him emotionally to Mm -hmm. do that uh, because some of his stuff has been just savaged by critics. Um, But I still think his satire is some of the smartest that I've seen. And the show is incredibly deep, you know, between these two characters. Like, I get wrapped up in their squabbles more than House of Cards, which I watched. Mm -hmm. I would take Mm -hmm. on cinema, at the cinema, over House of Cards any day for Uh my kind of dramatic tension. (laughs) Right. But that's the the thing about the 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 newest season, and it's starting to ramp up a little bit. Is there has there haven't there hasn't been a lot of tension between the two, right? Because for a couple of episodes they were getting along just fine. Uh, now it's starting to they're I think they're building up this like Tim moved into Greg's place and is kind of slowly kicking him out. But to me, like I said when we were talking about it before, it kind of feels like a joke that's run its course. But they're so good at doing it that I can't help but watch. See, and for me, it is more like the sound. Like, I think I anticipate more what Greg Turkington's like special uh, <laughs> star special bag of popcorn what is going everything to be more he than, adds to <laughs> it right, more than anything. Or like, like you said, like they give everything five bags of pop- like how many, <laughs> how many. <laughs> bags of soda is tim going to give something and is he going to call it a bag of soda Soda. (laughs) which makes no sense at all right (laughs) and he'll stumble and what is he gonna stumble over and and mispronounce it's it's all really subtle but so amazingly executed yeah and it's to the point now for me where i like i just hang on Every look that Greg Turkington is going to give, right. the position of his hands, right. like how is he going to react to yeah. what Tim has said? And it will always be subtle, but yeah. it'll always be something. Like mm-hmm. there will always be something. And, I, and that's why I feel like even when you feel like long term things aren't happening, there's always something there to like tie you in. Yeah. So for me, I like now he's releasing the Decker episodes. Have you mm-hmm. heard about that? Mm-hmm. He's doing one a day, like all this week, Monday to Friday Mm -hmm. on YouTube. And he was like in the interview, he was like, I kind of imagine people saving this up like on Friday, like sitting down and watching all the Decker stuff. Mm -hmm. He's like, we're, we're playing with form and you know how people will engage this material and stuff like that. So I'm, I think I'm going to do that this Friday. I'm going to sit down and and plow through the first season or week Mm -hmm. of Decker and see what, what I think about that. But, um, so on Cinema at the Cinema, I want to give a big 
shout out to because it deserves more viewers than House of Cards. <laughs> yeah. I'm fine with that. I haven't seen House of Cards, but that right. sounds good to me. Uh, one other thing I want to touch on really quickly then um, is I watched um, a show on Netflix. Elise and I are watching it called Peaky Blinders. Yeah. And it's like, as everybody's talking about this show or that show, and I know we listen to like the Slash film cast, and they mm. made the point of like, I only watch great TV. There's mm. just so much out there. Peaky Blinders is a show that I'm like, how is this passing everybody by? Like, why, again, not to harp on it, like House of Cards has its charms, and I plowed through season three, mm-hmm. through the snow days, but um, Peaky Blinders is a legitimate great show. Mm-hmm. Like, it looks amazing. It's written amazing. Um, I don't understand how Peaky Blinders, other than that name, uh, is getting by so many people. Yeah. I, and I want to say it's called Peaky Binders. Isn't it Peaky Binders? No, it should be Peaky Blinders. What does Peaky Blinders mean? Exactly. So Peaky Blinders is a oh, reference. Oh, no, it is. Yeah, it's Peaky Blinders. Yeah, to this gang. Uh-huh. And they will put razor blades in the brim of their caps. And, and so they'll throw it at somebody like uh, Odd Job from James Bond. And not throw <laughs> it. They will They will take off their head uh-huh. and they will like slash people with it. I see. And they will usually go for the eyes, uh-huh. which is why they're trying to blind you right um and yeah it's it's just it's just great so i mean i can't recommend and it's from the bbc which all their shows are like six episodes you know you're not gonna get 24 episodes Mm -hmm. of even a good show where eight of those are going to be kind of washes maybe because who can keep that kind of content level up Right. right it's like there's two seasons out. There's six episodes apiece, and like you're you're done. And I don't know if they're making more. I haven't gotten to the end of of it. But if they do have more, great because there's only been twelve total episodes so far. Yeah, Marco told me to watch that. He really likes it. I rescind, but no. I'm just <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, P- Peaky Blinders is is fantastic. Okay. All right. Well. Uh, we're going to move on to what have you been, let me look at my notes, what have you been reading? So what are you reading? Are you still, have you finished um, the Book of Strange New Things yet? I'm almost done with the Book of Strange New Things, and I guess that that's what I'd like to talk about. So the Book of Strange New Things was a book that I heard buzzed about a lot last year, yeah. and it quickly became the book that I wanted to read, not only because this is the guy who wrote under the skin, the mm-hmm. book, not mm-hmm. the film. And I, I was really intrigued by that film and I got intrigued with the premise of this book. And so I started reading it and I just, I loved it. Mm-hmm. And then as, it, as the narrative has gone on, like I'm still reading it and I am almost done, but I found it to be difficult because, and I'm not sure I want to read his other stuff. But I feel like he's an author who likes to set up a lot of possibility mm-hmm. and then not deliver on the possibility. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. He he is a greater writer than I will ever be. Yeah. But I don't understand that writing style. And that was kind of the biggest problem I had with Tom Peralta's The Leftovers mm-hmm. is that 
he sets up so many pins. He spends over 200 pages just carefully placing and moving these things until they're in a place, and then he ends it. Yeah. You know, and I'm not big on spoilers, so I was, in reading some reviews and stuff, spoiled on kind of the narrative arc. And knowing what I know about the narrative arc, it's taking some of the drive away from me reading this Mm -hmm. because he set up a lot of pieces that could have made this into a more generic, you know, and maybe not even generic in a bad way, Mm -hmm. but but a more expected narrative where something very mysterious or bad is happening. Soylent green is going on. Right. And, um, but, but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. And, the narrative that he's telling, I feel like he could strip that other stuff away. I don't know why you'd even introduce shades of like danger and portent. Mm-hmm. If you're then just going to pull back and be like, Oh, it was always about these characters. Like right. it, was, it was always just about their relationship, you yeah. know? Yeah. That's what I'm going to read next. I think after I finish my book, but does it matter? And I guess the people know what the book of strange new things is about. I have no idea what it's about. Right. So I don't know. Would you have listened to me talk about a book where I didn't introduce the ideas or the themes? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I mean. So what are you reading? I don't. Yeah. I don't like to. I kind of don't like to know that stuff. Oh, okay. But that's just me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I'm still reading the Southern Reach trilogy. Like you, I'm almost done. Uh but I, I just had, I, I hit, I kind of hit, a, I hit a wall twice with this book and, uh, it's a trilogy, but I'm reading the, actually I'm not now cause I'm reading on my Kindle, but I'm on, I'm on the third book. I read the first book all the way through, you know, but it's like a short 120 pages. I started the second book and was kind of disappointed with the direction it took. And so I stopped for a while and then eventually I picked that back up and finished it again. And then I got halfway through the third book. And now I've taken another break for a few weeks. I started reading again today, but it's kind of the same thing where it's like, I feel like he's the way I've described it before is like, I've read two and a half of these three books. <laughs> I still have no idea what's going on. Like I understand what has happened in the story, but I have no idea what any of it means or what any of it is building up to. And I'm afraid that I'm going to get to the end and still have no idea. You know what I mean? Like I'm afraid I'm going to get to the end, not know what happens and then have to go to the Wikipedia page <laughs> and be like, oh, okay, this means this. And Someone that means summarize that. this please <laughs> for me. It's exactly. And so I don't know if it's just like and and it's a, it's like a naturalistic thing, right? There's this uh it's called Area X and it's just this weird environmental anomaly somewhere in America. Nobody knows what's going on with it's causing all these weird things to happen and I'm kind of afraid it's going to be it kind of reminds me of like the ruins, right? Where it's like oh yeah. You're reading this whole thing and then at the end of the ruins spoiler alert for the ruins it just is like these are just like homicidal plants like there's no explanation to it it just is like and i'm afraid i'm going to get to the end of this trilogy and it's just going to be like this is just a environmental anomaly <laughs> like there's no explaining it right and you just read a thousand pages about these 
maybe doppelgangers. Like I, I don't, I don't even know what to say about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, but it has been the stuff that has interested me. It has, you know, kept me. It's written well. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I just, I kind of hit a wall with the second book because I didn't really care for the direction it took. But eventually, it picks up and you get into it. And what I will say this. And I know I asked you this before, but I don't remember your answer. But a lot of the um, catalyst of these stories hinges on hypnotism. Now, it hasn't really come up in the third book, but I mean, it comes up in the first couple of pages. And as soon as that happened, I was just kind of like, oh, this is like so disappointing. It's about hypnotism? Yeah, it's like a huge, like, uh, a huge factor of this story is hypnot. Like, these people are doing this because they're hypnotized? You know what I mean? That just seems so goofy to me. I just, Mm -hmm. it's one of those things where it's like, as soon as you introduce that element into your story, you can kind of count me out. I'm not interested in hypnotism. You've never been hypnotized. Maybe not. Maybe not. You need to be hypnotized before you can knock it. (laughs) That's that's true. I'm speaking a little bit out of my, uh, (laughs) my zone. I'm stepping on some toes. Exactly. All right, so that's what we've been reading. Let's talk about what you have been uh, playing. Oh man, okay. Yeah. I've been I've been playing a lot. Yeah. Uh, recently, uh, been getting back into gaming a little more. <clears throat> um, I'm more of a social gamer than I am anything else. But uh, I have recently been playing a game called Darkest Dungeon. Yeah which I've heard a lot of people talk about. And I, uh, I'm i kind of obsessed with it. And it kind of has all of the elements that I'm looking for in a game. Number one, it's extremely difficult. And I like difficult games. Mm-hmm. And I don't even care if they're fair. Like, I feel like a <laughs> lot of people, especially when they talk about Darkest Dungeon, is they yeah. complain that's hard and that's not fair. And for me, I'm like, just give me a challenge. And if there's 1% chance that I could, you know, complete this, I will keep playing until I hit that 1%. Mm -hmm. And the feeling that I'm going to get at the end of that 1% will be fantastic, you know? Um, And if I enjoy trying and retrying, like, isn't that kind of worth it? Mm -hmm. And because I'm more of a social gamer, I think, I'm not too worried about mechanics and I'm kind of comfortable doing two things at once. Like, I'm very comfortable talking to you right now mm-hmm. and playing Darkest Dungeon <laughs> on my computer. Right. Um, I or, believe it. Right. Or if I'm at home, I'll be listening to a podcast or maybe we'll have something on or listening to music, like, while I'm playing and be fine because I don't have to be, like, that's not my world. That's just something that I enjoy doing and yeah. having there. And because it's turn-based, I don't have to be reactionary, which is another reason why I like like things that are turn-based because I could walk away from it for a little bit. I could come back to it, whatever. Life can interrupt. So Darkest Dungeon, it's on early access Mm -hmm. on Steam, which means that the game is not complete yet. But what is complete is like a full game. And so people I've been playing for weeks and have been saying they haven't gotten like to the end, they haven't discovered everything mm-hmm. um but that's that's what um that's what i'm playing now mm-hmm. really enjoying what 
is why do you play video games? This is a question I've always kind of struggled with when anybody has asked me. Like why like I can tell you why I read books or watch movies. Mm-hmm. But why do you play video games? You know, I I guess I haven't thought about it like in depth, but mm-hmm. just my gut reaction is number one because I enjoy them. You know, but, yeah. And I I never had a, a debate like I know Roger Ebert came out as like video games aren't art, you yeah. know, and that whole debate or whatever. I've never had a problem thinking about video games as art. So mm-hmm. I really do enjoy and take pleasure in the fact that somebody sat down and created this whole kind of world for me. And even with Darkest Dungeon, I and when when, when I play, I know you and I have a different style mm-hmm. where I will watch all the cutscenes. Mm-hmm. Like I will try and follow, like I play the Assassin's Creed games mm-hmm. and I've seen every single cutscene. <laughs> I followed that narrative through uh-huh. now it's been so long. I can't tell you the narrative, but I've played fully and I, I enjoy that. I enjoy that somebody has, you know, thought this world through and, um, and I enjoy playing in that and exploring that, but I'm not tied to it in the sense of, I don't have expectations. Like yeah. if a game is not meeting my expectations, I walk away. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine with that. You know? Yeah. Why do you play video? I games? don't know. I don't have an answer for that. I don't know. <laughs> like I don't enjoy the stories in video games are almost universally terrible. And I would argue that the reason you don't remember the Assassin's Creed story isn't because it's been so long. It's because they're so terrible that they're not worth remembering. They're just like video game stories are almost universally terrible. Bioshock may be an exception. Yeah, I love Bioshock. There's a handful of of exceptions, of course, but it's certainly not why I play video games. And I've been playing Destiny. I think a part of it is because is a part of it is is like you said, like I want to sort of see and figure out what these people have created, right? I want to explore that space, which is also kind of a reason why I read or watch movies. Right. Like you want it's to see the story. story, right? Um, but in video games that story is more visual for me than it is like like the literal story of the game. Like, you know, one of the biggest knocks against Destiny is that there's no story in the game and there really isn't, but the story outside of the game is really interesting, like incredibly interesting mm-hmm. from what I've read and other th- and what I've heard. Um, but it's not why I play the game. I don't know. I don't I don't have an answer for it. I, I like you. I just enjoy it. I don't know why I enjoy it, but I enjoy it. Don't, don't you? I kind of compare video games and graphic novels very closely. Like mm-hmm. to me, why do you read a graphic novel versus reading a literary fictional novel or, you know, it's like, I enjoy that visual medium. You know, I, I enjoy the visual interpretation of, of the story. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's like, you know, it's like all one kind of series of steps. If you enjoy stories like I do, you know, then you'll enjoy books, right? If you enjoy books, for me, it's very easy to move into film and I am, fascinated by people i can think of a few that i listen like podcasts on who don't like movies and love books and i'm Mm -hmm. like what Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah but but then to love um movies i feel like once you get to movies 
that's a slippery slope right down to video games. I mean, you're already enjoying the visual medium. Yeah. You already enjoy stories. Like, why wouldn't you enjoy somebody saying, like, here's Bioshock? Now, now there are aspects of games that I despise. Like, and I've encountered them in almost every game that I've played. And that's the rote, like, some of the best games I've played, right? Fallout 3, Bioshock, go here, turn this button, walk by, right? Anything that's not story-based or whatever, that can get difficult for me. And even if the section is like, Keith, if you just play this, it's done in five minutes. That five minutes might take me a month to get through. See, and that's mostly what Destiny is for me at this point in the game. I think I just like the challenge. I think I like being challenged. I like having a goal be set and then just being like, meet this goal. And you having I mean? a sense of accomplishment. Or yeah, kind of. But even then, what is that sense of accomplishment? It's a, it's a video game. There li- There is no accomplishment. I mean, there's some sort of self-satisfaction, I guess. But yeah. I don't really... Well, I guess I get something out of it. But yeah. my thing with this... But like you said, I have... I checked my time right b- before the podcast started. I have put... <laughs> and this is embarrassing. I have put 285 hours into Destiny. That's like over 10 full days. Like when I look back at that and I think like all of the things that I want to accomplish in my life, especially at this point right now, all the things I want to do and haven't done. And yet I have almost 300 hours involved in a video game Then I'm going to then put 15 more hours in this week. I don't know. It just is so like. And then, then I ask myself, like, what am I getting from? Why do I do this? I just don't have an answer for See, it. See, well, I don't, I've never asked myself that. I've never questioned what I like to do in that way. I've mm-hmm. never had a problem with it, you know, because that is an endless pool. But you've never run into somebody that's been like, why do you play video games? They're a waste of time. Yeah, yeah, no, I've had people be like, why do you watch movies? They're a waste of time. Yeah, you know, I I've, I've had true. people, why do you read fiction? That's a waste of time. I only read nonfiction. Maybe it is just the art thing. Maybe it is because movies are viewed as art that validates it in some way. You know what I mean? Yeah. To I, where it's not as common as like, because I, I think video games are pretty universally looked at as a waste of time. Yeah. But outside of the people that don't play them. Look, I, I also feel like you have, you know, kind of turned me on to certain videos that I wouldn't have stumbled upon myself. One of them being people who knock down dominoes, you know, <laughs> like extensive setups of dominoes, which uh-huh. is talking just, about flippy cat, right? I'm talking about flippy cat. <laughs> now flippy cat will put a clock in, mm-hmm. in his shot to show you mm-hmm. how long he's spending setting up one of his domino, you know, kind of events. And it's out, it's a full day. Oh, you know? it's it's inc- it's insane. It's like eighty hours. It's insane. Yeah. So why why not ask Flippy Cat? Why do you set up dominoes and knock them down? But even then, Flippy Cat still has that video to show people. I have nothing to show for three hundred hours of Destiny, unless yeah, I do. turn on my Xbox and be like, "Hey, look at my character. <laughs> look at this cool helmet I'm wearing." You know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, t- to me, that's it. That, that's what I'm saying. It's like an endless pool. Like you, yeah. you can never end. Here, here's one one argument to, to wrap the segment up, I guess, and to give me the last word. Well, I have a story I want to tell. Oh, okay. But okay, you can it. have the last word, then no, I'll go into my story. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be really quick. So um, 
what finally kind of set my ideas about what I do and what I enjoy to do mm-hmm. and not being apologetic for it is when I think about you know jobs even when I was younger right what job do I want to do what's worthy mm-hmm. of my time and my effort in terms of a job you would think like you know politics is is you know very worthwhile journalism right is very worthwhile right seeking out the truth or standing up making change all that stuff then you see it in action and you go there may not be a greater waste of time than somebody who gave their life for political action got chewed up by the machine or turned into like I listened to a slate podcast where one of the guys talking was talking about this tea party you know er who used to not be a tea partier he used to be like really smart intelligent about politics mm-hmm. and now he's leading the charge being like Obama hates America you mm-hmm. know and I think you want to talk about wasting your life right yeah as soon as you utter that phrase right Obama hates America and you're a politician you're done you are done mm-hmm. like for any rational thinking human being I'm not voting for you I don't want to hear what you have to say right yeah because you're so binary in your thinking or you're so focused on your own career to move you forward then what are you actually doing right you're, you're just advancing yourself so you have what a big house to show for somebody i'll take the person who has an awesome destiny character uh-huh. that's like fully <laughs> upgraded and you know has played every aspect of the game i'm yeah. fascinated by that game i'm fascinated by you talking about the game mm-hmm. i will take that over the guy who says i've never played a video game in my life i'm now a congressman for this state and my my biggest kind of accomplishment is i said obamacare is communist Mm -hmm. and i challenged obama's nationality Mm -hmm. right right yeah all right so i was playing destiny last night and i'm uh doing one of the raids and i play i so i play destiny on xbox one that's the consoles that we both have and i'm playing destiny i want to do one of the raids uh so i have to go on to reddit or wherever else to find a group to raid with because i'm the only one who plays destiny right out of my our friends on my friends list that plays destiny so i go on to the um i think i found this group on reddit i asked them to invite me they invited me in it's a group of four so they invited me in and they invited one other person in and my gamer tag is blizz right with nine z's just like everything else not well not blizzard it's just blizz, blizz. with nine z's because blizzard was taken and as soon as i <laughs> with nine z's yeah okay as soon as i hop in one of the guys from this group is like why do you have so many z's in your name right mm. and it wasn't like a it wasn't like a friendly like hey come sit with us you know what i mean it was like right. I'm looking for a fight. Like I'm trying to make fun of you by bringing this up. Um, and before I could say anything, one of his buddies was just like, because all the other ones were probably taken. And I was just like, yeah, all the other ones were taken basically. And so that was pretty much that we start playing the raid. Um, we get in and he, and this same guy makes some other comment about, was that the other guy or the guy with all the Z's in his name? And nobody says anything. I just ignore him. We keep playing. And um, and then he starts like, and 
and this guy, like I've got a picture of this guy in my head, right? <laughs> then he starts talking about how like high he is uh, because he took a 300 milligram Tylenol. Like literally that's what he said. Um, so that's just feeding into like my image of this guy. And then I'm also like, I don't know why he's like kind of picking on me. You know I mean, like, also, I'm like a 32 year old man, right? He's high on Tylenol. I, right, Justin, I I'm mean, a 32 year old father, and I'm pretty sure this like high on Tylenol kid is in like his 20s or something. I just don't understand why he's picking on me, right? So then he, um, so then he starts it again, and he's like, uh, I don't even know how to say your name. It's got so many Z's, and his his friend is just like, it's just Blizz. Just say, everyone's just like, it's just blizz. And then he's like, I don't, can we call you something else? Like, shithead? And I was just like, for a moment, I had the brief, like, thought of, like, I'm, like, back in elementary school and I'm being <laughs> picked on, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I went, I was going to be like, yeah, just call me shithead, you know? And But then I was like, I, so I was just like, no, you can just call me blizz. Blizz is fine. And that was pretty much the end of it. But it was like, that's kind of been my experience in Death. Like, I keep doing it because I like playing the game. But then I have to play with, like, the... And with that being said, that's the meanest I have been treated in Destiny. Everyone mm. else has been pretty nice. You just have to endure a lot of, like, bong hits and weed talk and, like, porn talk. But I've never been picked on like that before. It was just such a weird experience. And then, of course, it ends by, like, we beat the raid... One of the guys is like, hey, I've got a I've got a um, hard checkpoint for the final boss. Do you want to do that? And everyone's like, yeah, sure. So we do it and we wipe like everyone's having fun at the end. All of the friends are talking to each other. Me and the other guy are being quiet. And then we do this hard checkpoint and it's like we wipe like 20 times in a row. And finally, some guy's just like, I'm done. And everyone, <laughs> everyone's silent. It's like, all right, see you guys. And that's how it ended. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, so. Well, if you're listening, you made fun of Blizz. <laughs> right. You should be ashamed of yourself. Yeah, no, it just was weird. It's just it's so weird. Like, I yeah. just don't know why. It just seemed like a weird thing to, to, to pick on. Right. And this kid's name was like, I don't even know what his gamer tag was. It was something unpronounceable. Just wait, just wait till you find Sudafed. <laughs> right. He will be gone. Right, yeah. All right, so uh, that's what we've been playing. Lastly, let's talk about um, what we've been listening to. Okay. And I'll go first because I already talked to you about it a little bit, and I have two quick things. The first thing is a podcast called Everything is Stories. Have you listened to it yet? I have not gotten around to it yet. Yeah, it's super good. They only have a handful of episodes. It's in the same vein of like love and radio. Mm-hmm. And it's in, 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 in storytelling wise. And also it's just kind of like they just put out an episode whenever it's done, basically. So there's no really set timetable. Um, but they're really good. The last one was about Jim Baker's wife. It, it was an interview with Jim Baker's wife. And so she just talks about like the whole cult life, like him losing his mind. It has one of the funniest <laughs> moments uh, in a while that I've heard in a while in the podcast. And she's talking about, um, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't be laughing at this. She's talking about, um, I guess Jim Baker died when he went hang gliding and then just like fell to his death basically. 
Uh, he didn't die immediately, but he died soon after from like the injuries. But like either right before he jumped out to go hang climb, hang gliding or like right when they were putting him in the ambulance, he said something like um, he was trying to say something profound. And it was along the lines of like, um, no man is greater than God, but today man is greater than God. And then she was like, eh, he died soon after that. <laughs> <laughs> just thought that was so funny. <laughs> He's reaching. He's grasping <laughs> yeah. for straws. But that podcast is super good. Uh, and other th- that that's that's I've all all I've been listening to is podcast stuff really because I got rid of my iTunes Match account, so I haven't been listening to much music. But an album that just came out, I think last Tuesday that I want to listen to that I just remembered is by a band called uh, Dick Diver. (laughs) All right. All one word? Nope. Two words. And the album is called Melbourne, Florida. They're Australian. I know Melbourne. Yeah. So uh, I, that's something that maybe I'll listen to and talk about it next week, but it got, um, it's gotten some good reviews. I think I listened to a sample maybe, or like a, one of the tracks. Um, all right, I have been listening to another one of your recommendations, The Ethicists. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I listened to I listened to them today and I really enjoyed it. I would recommend it for anybody um who just wants to hear basically a quick rundown yeah. ethical dilemmas and situations and I thought it was really interesting, uh really great. Uh in terms of um I would say quickly, the ethics is good because it's short, right? It's yes. quick and it's like it's like ethical dilemmas. And I think that's inherently interesting, right? And the people that talk about it are very smart. Yeah, they're very smart. I will say Schaefer, I forget his first name. Mm-hmm. He's kind of a jerk. Yeah. The he's, guy who's always making it a point to talk about how much he's gonna disagree with everybody else. Right. And yeah. and he, he did one about um you know, this guy's like, I don't believe in the death penalty. Should I announce that at a because I'm summoned for jury duty if mm-hmm, it's a death penalty mm-hmm. case? Um, and uh, or I could lie, not mention it, and then save someone's life, right? And his whole issue is like, well, you know, I don't believe it, I won't take cases where somebody's being brought up on drug charges because I go up to the judge, I make a point to say. I've taken illegal drugs. Right. I'm pretty sure you've taken illegal <laughs> drugs. And maybe the prosecutors, you know, yeah. I just want to be like, dude, you need to calm yeah. down, right? Like, t- you don't need to bloviate. You don't need to, like, you know, make everyone see your point. Right. Like, just go up there and say, sir, I don't, I'm not comfortable with yeah. prosecuting a drug charge. Right. <laughs> or seeing on a, on a drug charge. Yeah. Offense. Uh, to me, he's, he's a little much. Yeah. Um, but... I think the other two are like fantastic mm-hmm. and they've talked him down from the ledge a few times. Oh yeah. 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 Where I feel like if he could go, he would really go and you'd have to end up cutting him off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the podcast would just end randomly. <laughs> in the middle of a sentence. Okay. Um, one album I want to talk about and I was thinking, you know, do I want to be bullied by Justin or do I want to do something a little more? Mil- I know you're not going to like it, uh-huh. but to what degree do I care, you know, of you not liking it? Uh-huh. And I'm just, you know, I'm saying, you're going to go for it. I'm going to go for it. All right. The, the purity ring or just purity ring. 
I'm, I think it's, I want to say it's the purity ring because I always get them mixed up with the promise ring. The promise ring. Right. Exactly. I got them confused with the promise yeah. ring, which is why I first ever l- clicked on it. And they were on NPR's first listen. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I will randomly go to the first listen, just start at the top and back, click, 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 mm-hmm. click. And if something doesn't hit me in like 30 seconds, I just move on to the next. But, um, the purity ring really stood out. It's a uh, female vocal electronic music. Oh boy. You just kind of basically described my worst nightmare. Kind of poppy, <laughs> kind of poppy music. Uh-huh. And I can't stop listening to it. Mm-hmm. At first I think mm-hmm. I kind of hate myself for it, but then I realized <laughs> I don't, I love it. Right. I, I really do truly love yeah. the purity ring. All right. Well, good for you. Thanks. Never. We're gonna. We're getting rid of this segment altogether. <laughs> Wait till next <laughs> week. Never happen again. All right. We're gonna take a uh, quick break, and then we will come back with recommendations. So last uh, last episode, right? Two months ago. Two yeah. months ago, you recommended that I read Stephen King's short story, The Lawnmower Man. And I read mm-hmm. it, and it was good. I think it's hard to say anything that short is bad. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like, even if it it's, is bad, it's like, it's short. It's over so quick. But it was really good. But it made me sort of remember... I think I probably have the same revelation every single time I read something by Stephen King. It's like Stephen King is so weird, right? He's yeah. just a weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> but it's really good. Yeah. Um and I and I listened to you also gave me some follow-up podcasts to listen to and I listened to all that stuff and I forget a lot of the details Books now. Books and nachos. Yeah, but it's like a lot of it is just like how much of it is intentional? How much is this guy just looking for meaning? Mm-hmm. How much of it is this is just sort of a throwaway Stephen King short story? And you can see sort of the seeds of the ideas in there, but it's not really long enough to let those seeds germinate. And so you're just sort of like seeing them be planted, you know? And so it's it's interesting because like, yeah, you definitely finished the short story and it's like no idea what that was about. Mm-hmm. Right. It's kind of the same thing I was saying with the social reach, the Southern Reach trilogy. Like, I understand what happened. I don't understand what any of it means. You know what I mean? Yep. But again, it's so short that it just is like, who cares? Yep. Um, all right. So, my recommendation for you. Oh, I didn't even ask if you'd watch this yet. Have, did you watch the. Um, I did not. You, I was waiting for okay. a formal. Good. An invitation. Okay, so it is a movie called The Noah from, I want to say, 1973, starring Robert Strauss, I believe. And uh, it's available on YouTube. So I'll send you the YouTube link. I'll put the YouTube link in the notes. But that's all I'm going to say about it. Okay. Like I said before, I don't like to to know much about stuff that I'm 
going to read or watch or whatever. And that's kind of how I went into it. I will say I went, I, well, I went into watching this. I watched it for a very specific reason, right? I saw the recommendation and the recommendation itself gave me an idea of what it would be about. It turned out to not live up to that recommendation whatsoever, (laughs) but I still thought it was interesting. So I want you to watch it. It's called The Noah. Um, Is it feature length? How long is it? It's feature length. Yeah. And it, yeah, it might be kind of tough to watch all in one setting just because of the nature of the movie and whatever. Uh, Yeah. So that's, that's what I want you to watch The Noah. And then we'll talk about that next week. Um, but that's it for this show. Uh, you can, uh, uh, I've deleted, <laughs> I deleted the show's Twitter. So the show no longer has a Twitter. Um, but if you want to contact me, my email will be in the show description. You can follow Keith on Twitter, right? You are still on Twitter. I had a, z- a zinger today. Yeah. Yeah, you're telling you're, me about you're, it. You're going to want to jump on and read that one <laughs> about might. the Apple Watch. Yeah, that's true. I might have to get back on um, just to read your tweet about the Apple Watch. <laughs> uh, but Keith is on Twitter. He is at Things Come Right. You can, like I said, you can email me in the show notes. Uh, my email will be in the show notes. You can, uh, if you're playing Destiny on Xbox, Blizz with nine Zs, hit me up. Don't uh, make fun of the name. Yeah, but, you know, that's... Uh, that's sensitive territory. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's it. Um, let me let us know if you like the change in the format, or if you would really just prefer us to, you know, take two month breaks at a time. That's all he can handle. Uh, but until uh, next week, we're. <laughs> yep, I'm, I'm just letting you do it. Uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs>